Welcome to Talking Technology with NCBI Labs, where we believe that technology is the single greatest enabler for people with sight loss and all disabilities. If you are interested in the latest technology news, products, and innovations, then you've come to the right place. Uh, hello, everybody, and you're very welcome along to the Talking Technology podcast with NCBI Labs. Uh, it's episode 17, and today we have a Braille special in celebrating Braille. So for nearly 200 years, the tactile reading system of Braille has enabled people of all ages that are blind or vision impaired to read and write. Yet in an age where synthetic speech and audiobooks are widely available, just how relevant is Braille in the modern world? And where can someone learn Braille and what sort of Braille products are available to those who read it? So in celebration of National Braille Week and World Sight Day taking place this month, this episode of Talking Technology explores these questions and more. So on the show, we will welcome a panel of guests, including Breda Dowling, who's sales and services staff member in NCBI, to tell us about the wide range of products available both in store and online in the NCBI shop. Jody McGreal is a training services manager at the National Training Centre in NCBI to tell us about the suite of course offerings, including Braille, that are available from the NTC. And Audrey Tormey will join her, and she's Braille tutor at the National Training Centre in NCBI, who also tells us about her experiences using the world's first smart Braille watch, the Braille Dot Watch. And we also welcome along Greg. Flanagan, who's a work training officer in charge of the Braille unit at Arbor Hill Prison at Arbor Hill in Dublin, who manages the Braille unit in Arbor Hill, the only place in Ireland that services and repairs the Perkins Brailers. So regardless of your prior knowledge of Braille, uh, you'll definitely not want to miss uh, this show coming up. So um, today's panel then is myself, Daniel Dunn, and we'll also be joined by David Redmond, uh, Joe Lanergan and JP Corcoran. And um, we'll be celebrating Braille. So first of all, uh, we are also going to welcome along Mairead O'Mahony is a Braille user and she's part of our Meet the Team uh, segment that we run every so often here on the podcast. So Mairead, um, you're very welcome along to Talking Technology today. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Hope you can all hear me. Oh, we can hear you loud and clear. Perfect, that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, brilliant. I've oh, just recently started. Yeah, whereabouts are you based, um, Mairead, just for our um, listeners? Yeah, I'm based in Cork and Kerry, so I'll mainly be working from Tralee, but I will be in Cork as well, probably one day a week. And, you know, it'll vary from week to week. So um, I'll be working in both counties. Very good, very good. And um, if you tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, any training that you might have done or, or life before NCBI. Yeah, no problem. Um, I suppose the last job I had, recent, most recent job I had was um, a job bridge internship. So I did that mm -hmm. with the Kerry General Hospital. Um, right. So I was mainly working on the IT help desk there. Um, and I absolutely loved it because I was dealing with computer queries and yeah. helping staff to get set up with equipment and all that kind of thing. Um, part of my job also involved tutoring people, the HC staff and office applications. So yeah. I did a bit of Microsoft Outlook and Excel with them. 
And I did very practical tasks with them, like so I mainly found out what their interests were and what they needed the applications for. So for Outlook, I did things like using the calendar and mm. setting the out of office reply, forwarding, sending attachments. So mm -hmm. everyday tasks that they need. Yes. Um, and as I also do support tutor work um, with MTU in Tralee. So there's two visually impaired students there at the moment. Mm. Um, and they're both doing very different courses and have very different skills and abilities. So um, I trained them in on using the college systems, such as the library, um, Blackboard, they've now moved to Canvas. Um, yeah. So I trained them in and using all those applications. Um, sometimes it involves training them how to use office applications as well, because they mightn't be very experienced in using file management. So creating yeah. folders, all that kind of area I, I do with them. So as needs arise, then I kind of work with them on what they need. It's um, not on a very regular basis, but I do it whenever it's required. Excellent, excellent. That um, sounds quite varied and um, I suppose it is something different crops up every time. So it's interesting to, to, to keep yourself in up to date with what problems can arise as well. It's very different. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah. And there's definitely plenty of variety in it anyway. No two days <laughs> are the same. <laughs> That's that's and that's great. So it is. And look, I know you've only recently started with us here in NCBI. Um, but I suppose can you? I know you're going to be in Cork and Kerry. So can you tell us a little bit more, maybe about what your role is going to involve? Yes. So I'll mainly be meeting with service users, um, and service staff as well from time to time, and I'll be assessing service users for maybe what equipment they might need or what supports they need using different software applications um, and then developing training plans to show them um, how to best use the equipment. And, you know, if somebody needed support in using Microsoft Word, I develop a lesson plan to show them how to, you know, get started from wh mm. whatever level they're at. So yes. if it's a beginner, it might be starting with you know, just opening Word documents, saving them, mm -hmm. locating the documents, you know, so I'd go all the way up to mail merge or whatever they'd needed for. I'd find out what, what their use for the application would be and work with them on that. So to be very individual, so, really. Yeah, very tailor-made. So yeah. Sounds, that's, that's quite good. Um, okay, so I know I you're guess also... I'll also do a bit of work on the help desk as well, um, So because <laughs> I'd, I'd have some experience in that as well. So that would yeah. be, you know, to be great to blend everything together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we'll have a new voice on the help desk for those of you who are listening and who occasionally give us a call on the help desk. So um, look out for Maria there. <laughs> um, also, look, I understand um, you're a Braille user. Um, so what age did you start learning Braille and how important is Braille to you? I absolutely love Braille. Um, I started learning it, I'd say, initially when I was about five. I went to mainstream school for a couple of years first. Um, but my real memories from learning Braille really were when I started in Dublin when I was about seven. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, for me now, I'm a very fluent Braille reader. I use Contractor Braille, which would be grade two Braille. Yeah. Um, any pos any chance for me to use Braille, I make the most of it. If, if I can get books in Braille, I'll get them. Um, even when I was in college or in school, I in Fairness Arbor Hill, when I was in secondary school, I used to braille my books as well. So oh, that was great. Um, yeah. yeah, so I use braille wherever possible. I also use a Focus 14, um, 
and I'd mainly connect that to my laptop when I'm reading material from the internet or yeah. if I have any materials downloaded because I just find it much easier to physically take in material when I'm physically reading it rather than listening to Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just find it much easier. I also, um, obviously my focus has replaced the Perkins Braille machine now, which is great because <laughs> for me, in order for me to learn anything, I was always constantly manually brailing everything. Yeah. Um, whereas now I don't need to do that anymore. Um, so that's great. Um, and I also use a Dymo gun for labeling things. So like if I had CDs to be labeled or if yeah. I was labeling shelves, whatever magazines are on the shelf, I'd label the shelves so I'd know what magazines are on that shelf. Um, label doors so that I know where I'm going in new buildings and that kind of thing. So yeah, I do take the opportunity to use Braille wherever possible. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, and when it when it comes to inputting, then you input in Braille where possible as well. Um, I do when I'm making notes for myself when I'm out and about. I would use the Focus 14 or for making notes. So I connect it to my phone and then I make the notes. Yeah. And then I can connect it up to my computer after and save okay. them and read them as well from the Braille display. Excellent, excellent. Um, is there anything else then kind of interesting that you, you you have the Focus 14 or is there any other devices along with that that you use? Um, I don't currently have any other Braille devices at the moment. They would be my main ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's always new displays coming out in the market. So I'm, you know, I'd be looking forward to testing out some new ones as well. I know Humanware do a lot of different ones as well. Yeah. Um, so you just uh, experience testing them out and see the difference in them all. But yeah. the focus is the one that I would have the most experience with at the moment. Okay, so and you, you're connecting that to your laptop and your phone. Is there anything else you connect it up to? Um, they would mainly be the device I connected up to right at the moment. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, look, it's been lovely speaking to you there about Braille and all the all the things that you do as well in the technical support arena. And I suppose on behalf of all the team here, a very big welcome to NCBI, and um, we look forward to uh, working alongside with you. And to all the people in Cork and Kerry, definitely will be delighted to have you there, um, helping them and support them as well. Thank you very much. I'm very looking forward to working with everyone as well. Excellent. Thanks very much, Maria. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So, guys, that was uh, Maria Domahani. She's a uh, new as IT uh, trainer with NCBI, and she's based down in Cork and Kerry. And thanks very much for coming along to speak with us today. Next up on uh, our show, we have um, Joe Lonergan, and he is going to speak with Breda Dowling. So over to you, Joe. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, hello, Brida. How are you there? Hi, Joe. How are you? Yeah, hi, I'm here. Hi, hi Brida. How are you? Grand, thanks. Um, so, yeah, you, you um, run the NCBI shop. Um, can you tell me more about the NCBI shop and what kind of Braille products you sell? Yeah, OK. Um, I suppose we don't sell a huge, like tactile watches are probably something that people don't generally ask for um so there's we don't actually stock them in the shop but they are available to purchase and we can order them in for people from rnib so they have a good selection of braille watches uh from yeah. children's watches up to you know adults ladies and gents so different types different straps now you know they look really well the children's yeah. ones 
have lovely colourful ocean themed straps on them and then the ladies would have a pink strap or black leather strap so whatever suits so there's a good selection of them on the on the RNIB website and I suppose if people are looking for one I would suggest that they go onto the website or even contact me and I can help them navigate the website and go through them all and then we can I can order them in from there. Yeah, so um, for today's interview, I put on my uh, Braille watch. I actually bought this off you 21 years ago, believe it or not. Oh my God. Rita. And, um, <laughs> and it's still going, Joe, is well, it? Well, the strap and uh, the face are still going, but I just checked it. The time on it is 20 to 10, so no, it needs a new battery. I might be on to you for a new battery soon, Brita. <laughs> That's all right. But, but yeah, it is a lovely black face on it and a, a gold rim around it. I presume they, they have um, a few diff different differentiations. Different variations for um, we'll say men now at this stage and and women oh, yeah. Course, maybe yeah yeah but um they do yeah they 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 um you lift the lid basically don't you and you you feel feel the time isn't that the way yeah, they work suppose, so yeah exactly like some they when you lift the lid the twelve is marked usually with a bar and then the three the six to nine has two dots and then the remaining are the remaining um, numbers. Um, would have one dot. So that's how people kind of can differentiate between how they can tell the time. Um, yeah, that's basically it. And I suppose some people like a Braille watch because compared to the talking ones, you can just lift the lid and it's silent. No one is, no one is yeah, actually more hearing you. Yeah, they're more discreet. So people can, you know, if, even if they're at an interview or anywhere, they can just lift the lid and no one will even know that they're looking at their watch. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, some people like them for that reason. Yeah, I think the Apple Watch is, has replaced the Braille Watch now for me at this stage, but yeah. <laughs> you never know. I suppose yeah. um, it, is, it is a, a nice Nice watch just to tell the time, um, but we can order them from RNIB anyway, if, if people yeah, want them. Yeah, because yeah. The, just to let people know, RNIB don't actually send to individuals in Ireland, so people need to contact me and I can place the order for, on their behalf. So, you know, they can always email me or contact me directly by phone. And I can order Great. them in for them. Brilliant. So, so um, and what about um, other Braille? Um, products like uh, do you have games or cards or um, yeah, things like that at the moment? Yeah, we have um, Braille playing cards. So each each card is is labelled in Braille. Um, you can get Braille Scrabble, um, and then you have like tactile draft, tactile connect four. Um, what else is there? Tactile backgammon. So any of these games. You know we can get them in easy enough and i have some in stock now i wouldn't have all the games but i can you know as before i can get them in we can order them in for people um, Excellent. yeah education wise then there's kind of like for schools you can get actually tactile braille rulers and tactile set squares so yeah. and there's little stickers then for kids in school if you know kind of like reward stickers so they're braille on the reward sticker, which is very nice for kids oh, that are totally idea. blind. Yeah. yeah, and pictures then, tactile kind of pictures. So they're all and, available as well. And I, I, I see somewhere for visiting teachers, we'll say uh, visiting teacher service for schools, um, uh, they're helping uh, blind or vision impaired children. Um, you can buy books as well to help or to learn Braille for the visiting yeah. teacher. Yeah, there's like Braille courses for children and also um, print books then for the teacher so they can interact with the child learning braille so yeah they're available as well and 
we would get requests from visiting teachers maybe to order them in for students. So their visiting teachers are well aware of all these Braille courses that are that are out there. So yep, they're available. Great. Uh, it's good to let um, people know what's out there. So um, recently I, I, I purchased some um, locator dots from you. Um, I know they're, they're not exactly Braille, but they're tactile uh, a way of um, marking something so that you can maybe find where um, a particular dial is or a button on a device. Um, what other kind of um, uh, Braille labeling devices have you got or tactile uh, yeah. devices have you got? Yeah, I suppose as Maraid mentioned, she's using the Braille labeler. So we have we stock that. So that's really a handy item for if you have CDs, um, even books, anything. You can just use your Braille labeler and Braille. It comes your it comes out in Braille. So you just label CDs whatever way you want. So that's a really handy device, and that's we have that in stock as well. Um, you can also get the tactile bump-ons, which come in orange and clear, and you can get black as well. So they're very, and the locator dots kind of similar. The locator dots are really handy for marking, let's say your computer keyboard, uh, your phone, because yeah. they're small enough that they'll actually fit on the actual numbers on the keypad. So they're very handy, the location they're, dots for that. They're really good. They're really good, actually. Yeah. But keep in mind, people, I suppose, that there's um, only five or six in a packet. So maybe That's you might be good to buy two or three packets when you're buying them. Yeah. Um, I found I, I recently purchased um, uh, an Ninja air fryer with the, with the craze out there of air fryers. They're actually really, really good. But um, the trouble with them is the buttons are very... Um, uh, you know, smooth, they're not tactile, it's very difficult to feel. So I found the locator dots were brilliant to uh, label the on button, the air fry button, the start button, that kind of thing. So I thought that was yeah. that was really, really good for that, that um, uh, device. Uh, also, uh, when I got my iPhone first, I was um, put locator dots on F and J and certain other touchscreen devices in the home. Maybe uh, some people have an oven that might have a touchscreen on it. it. This might be the only way of getting around uh, or making yeah. the the, the device are, um, uh, you know, more accessible, I suppose, you know, especially if it doesn't give you any uh, voice feedback. So it might be good to put a locator dot on it. Same with washing machines and, of, and different things like yeah. that. I think they kind of stick on better maybe than the actual bump-ons. I don't know if, Joe, you found that yourself, did yeah, you? I, I definitely, yeah. yeah the, the lifespan of, of stickiness, I suppose, is really yeah. good. Uh, yeah, it, does, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't melt off, I suppose, with a bit of heat as, as yeah. easy as, as, as some of the other bump-ons. Um, mm -hmm. And when they get wet, they seem to... Uh, you know they don't um, peel off too easily. So, and as, yeah, as, as well, if, if you get get your nail behind them and you need to take them off, uh, they come off as well. But you, yeah, I would come with computer keys. You have to be really careful because um, it can peel off the computer key as well. So you have to be really careful to hold down the key and peel off the bump on as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, that's your labeling labeling devices, um, and. Uh, we'll move on from from labeling devices. Are are these products available for people to um, check out if they drop into you in the shop, or are are even available on display? Or can you just talk to people about them? What what way does it work? Well, they're the like I suppose I'm not sure if people know. There's a shop. I'm based in the Kilkenny office, so we have like a shop in Kilkenny, and we would have like demo products here for people to try out and and to have a look at, um, and also in the in the 
shop Dublin office. There's a shop there as well for people to walk in and have a look. And Debbie looks after the shop in her Dublin office. But any anybody, it's like if anyone has any questions on these products, they can always just like drop me an email or phone and I can go through them and even, you know, look up other websites for them to, to see what, what other products are available if they're if they if they need anything else. Yeah, so you email breeder.dowlin at ncbi.ie or that's it. We can call the the main line, line and, 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 and go to the shop. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, exactly. Brilliant. Um yeah, that's uh, that's thanks for that um uh, information breeder. That was that was brilliant. Um yeah, so no there's problem. there's lots 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 out for lots of um products out there for people that are um interested in doing braille or um still use braille and it's a very popular uh, yeah, so, exactly. source of information. There's a lot Thank more you, than, than, you t than you think out there. Yeah, so that's, there is a lot more than you think, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Rita. Thanks, Joel. Thanks a million. I'll pass you back to uh, Daniel. Thanks, Joel. Um, thanks very much, Rita. That was uh, very interesting to hear indeed. And um, great to hear about the range of different Braille products and other interesting products that are available to our service users uh, from the shop in Kilkenny. So, uh, moving along then, um, we next have an interview with Jody McGreal and Audrey Tormey, and I'm going to hand you over to David uh, to take care of that one for us there. So Jody, Audrey, thank you so much for joining us. First of all, uh, if I could get you guys to introduce yourselves, Jody, we'll start with yourself, I suppose. Yeah, so my name is Jodie McGreal and I'm the Employment Training and Academia Manager um, here at NCBI. And Audrey, yourself? Yeah, hello, um, I'm Audrey Tormey. I work uh, in the National Training Centre and I um, am involved with teaching Braille literacy. OK, so you both work within the training centre then? Yes. Yeah, and so, I manage the employment team nationally as well. So we have a team of employment and training advisors nationally across across the whole of, of Ireland. So I guess then, Jody, if I could ask you first, then do you want to tell me a little bit just about the training centre, how it operates, what kind of courses it runs? How does all of that work? Absolutely. So I suppose the National Training Centre, um, it's been evolving since I've been there, I suppose, uh, back in 2018. Um, so we have a suite of programmes um, that kind of span the, the breadth of rehabilitation training for people who are blind or vision impaired. Um, so we have some funding from the HSC, which is rehabilitation training funding. We have some funding from the CDETB, so we have some adult education services. Uh, and then we fund some stuff internally as well through NCBI Charitable Foundation. So we have a stream that's called See My Skills, which is really to do with the foundation skills for anyone um, who needs rehabilitation training. So that involves orientation and mobility, communications, uh, assistive technology and advocacy and engagement and also employment support. Then we have uh, the employment skills program, which is specifically uh, for people who are blind or vision impaired, and that includes the expanded core curriculum at second level and the employment skills program, which sits at level four on, on, on the NFQ, QQI level four. And then we have a, a retention program that we call the Jobs in Jeopardy program, which uh, looks after people and supports people to retain their current employment by upskilling them. OK, so just to be clear, say qualifications uh, as people go through um, programmes at the National Training Centre, they are recognised then by QQI. 
So the Employment Skills Programme is, is recognised, it sits at level four on yeah. uh, the National Framework of Qualifications, so that is underwritten by QQI. We have the International Computer Driving Licence that we can um, do manual exams for, we're the only centre in the country, so it means that we can override those visual exams that you might get externally with learners, and that's, that's accredited by ICS. And then we also have a level five that's starting in January um, at QQI level five that is also accredited. Okay, brilliant. And Audrey, I guess, so you're doing uh, Braille within the National Training Centre. Do you want to tell me a little bit about the course that you're doing, how you found it and how you find it, I should say? And, yeah. you know, yeah. So tell me a little bit about the, the course. So um, just as a back uh, background, as Jodie mentioned, uh, we, we kind of teach communications at the training centre, so that would include braille but also english as a second language so people might have it uh, you know and might want to learn it but specifically to the braille course um so when somebody arrives and they you know they express an interest in learning braille i would sit down with them and um just see what the purpose of their what their goals are why they want to learn braille some people want to learn it you know to be able to use it for um every day uh, as a, a substitute say to reading print other people want to be able to label things you know for practical purposes um so it really depends on the individual but we start with the basics with the alphabet with uncontracted braille and we work through um the braille course um it's a course called fingerprint and it goes methodically step by step through the signs in braille and you know sometimes somebody said oh i only want to be able to read the alphabet and numbers but then they find oh i like this kind of way of accessing information and um, they transfer or they continue on to uh, contracted braille so it really really depends on the individual how long does it generally take for someone to go from having zero knowledge of braille maybe they they're new to having sight loss and and they're doing this for the first time how long does it take before someone gets to a state where they can be proficient as a braille reader or writer yeah that's a really good question and you know what um it really depends on the individual um there's a lot of chat and, and listening in the first few lessons when somebody says they want to learn braille um um I suppose the uncontracted course that could be managed uh, and 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 um, the skills for and, and the different science could be acquired within say a ten week twelve week period. But there's a lot of practical application of the braille, so it's not difficult for lots of for many people to learn the alphabet and the signs that indicate numbers and the punctuation. That is what the uncontracted code would consist of, but. On top of that, we have kind of layer upon layer of exercise and practical application of the signs just to make sure people are conversant and happy with um, with the signs and identifying the signs by by touch. And are people within the course using, you know, the traditional Perkins Brailler or do people tend to explore, you know, more modern Braille devices, you know, the, the focus Braille displays or any Braille display for that matter? There are loads out there now. Do people tend to see a variety of those devices through the course or do people tend to stick with the, the good old traditional Perkins Brailler? Well, um, we start, we use the Perkins Brailler mainly, to be honest with you, um, but we also use what people find really, really helpful is 
to blow to magnify the dots tactilely a little bit. So we use the swell um, sight cam machine as well. So if somebody is new to sight loss and they know the print alphabet, very often from listening to their feedback, they they really find it helpful to have the shape tactile shape of the print letters alongside the braille dots. Now it is bigger than standard braille, but at least then they can transfer and transfer the skills into reading smaller dots, which will be standard braille. So it'll be the Perkins Brailler. We'd use the Zycam machine with the swell paper, um, which is a wonderful uh, piece of equipment. We'd also, some people might arrive with a braille display, but primarily it would be the Perkins, and we just take it kind of step by step. Just familiarising how to put the paper in, how to orientate oneself around the keys on the Perkins. And yeah, so it will be mainly the Perkins. <coughs> Okay, interesting. And Jodie, if I could ask you, you know, we talked about equipment there. Um, mm. How do you find, say, sourcing equipment for, you know, the training centre? Is there, you know, good enough resources there that all that can be? There's a steady supply of stuff that can be used by the organisation. Yeah. Absolutely. So I suppose within the training centre, we have an assistive technology uh, suite of computers that would all have fusion technology. So both magnification software and, and screen reading technology integrated as standard. We also then have for our QQI um, programme, we would have a suite of laptops with fusion technology so people can borrow them for the length of the duration of the course and they have access to that equipment on site because um, we would use e portfolios um, for people's work um, and now of course we have the launch of our um, LMS so our learner management system which is Blackboard and again you can transcribe uh, into different formats be it braille or audio files etc um, and so that's fully accessible for learners. I suppose the way that we see it is we also have the Perkins sorry so Audrey has a number of Perkins and if people need to borrow a Perkins for the lifetime of their program then that's absolutely fine as well. Um, and we're happy to convert things uh, using our tactile printers and our embossers um, should people mm -hmm. need. Um, but I suppose, yeah, look, it, it depends on what people prefer. Um, and, you know, as with all our courses, people can hand in assessments using whatever their preferred format is, be that Braille, you know, actual Perkins, using the Perkins and, and handing in physical Braille or whether that be digital Braille or or whether that be audio. We're, we're very open to, um, I suppose, universal design in, in learning and assessment in, in national training. And Jody, if people want to, you know, apply to, to do a course at the National Training Centre, how can they do so? And is there a, a good availability of places or how does that all work? Absolutely. So I suppose we've got many funding streams and um, so it's it really dependent on what the person needs. So at the moment, currently, we have around 60 learners who are touching base with the training centre, be it, you know, through either blended learning, which could be online, but also synchronous learning online. So you're doing live training online um, or otherwise, you know, actually physically coming into the National Training Centre within Dublin. Um, but yet to make a referral, so you can make a referral online um, and you can go through the make a referral tab. Um, or you can ring the info line or um, you can you can ring the info line and ask to be put through to um, myself and, and, and that's Jodie McGreal or otherwise contact jodie.mcgreal and ncbi.ie. Fantastic and on that note I guess we'll switch gears slightly from the training centre because I must ask you Audrey about the Braille Dot Watch. So we've had uh, Brian Manning, who works on the NCBI Labs team, 
has previously written a review of the um, Braille dot watch. It's a smartwatch through Braille, and we'll hear that review uh, just in a few minutes. But do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience with the dot watch? What did you think of the product? What is it, I guess, first of all, and how did you find it? Well, um, it is a smartwatch. Um, I found it interesting. I had it for a couple of days um, because I would be someone that would prefer a tactile watch over, say, a talking watch. But that's just my preference. Um, and um, I had I had access to the dot watch. Brian had loaned it to me. So it it is really, really amazing piece of equipment, a piece of um, I found it big, though. So it's kind of comes into one size. There's a wristband that it kind of sits on or slides, you know, sits on. And um, there is a home button and then there's a kind of a setup button. So it is it is very, very clever piece of technology. You can be paired with your your smartphone as well, be it an Android or or, or um, um, an Apple phone. Um, and overall, I did find it interesting. Um, there is um, it is Braille or tactile. Um, but it takes a little bit of uh, you getting used to the code, the Braille kind of read, being able to read the Braille on the watch. There's a four Braille cell, so it's it's quite small and it requires, um, you know, um, a little bit of time to get used to the, the to the dots and, and how it's refreshable and how they change. Overall, I did like it. I thought it was amazing. Um, just the size, if it came in different sizes for different wrist widths, it would be, um, I think, a little bit more of of benefit to the user. I went back to use my old kind of conventional braille watch or tactile watch. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think I probably would stick with the braille watch for the moment, but there's a lot of benefits to the dot watch. And where do you see, I guess, on that note then, do you think, you know, things like the dot watch, devices like the dot watch are perhaps the future of braille? Where do you see the future of braille in the more technology centered universe, I guess? Oh, I mean, this idea that Braille is obsolete and, you know, it's 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 kind of going to disappear in, in terms of, you know, usage and popularity. I don't subscribe to that at all. I think it's wonderful to be able to harness Braille with mm. technology and, you know, to kind of use both uh, simultaneously as a, as a means of accessing information and, you know, carrying out everyday kind of tasks and and especially in an employment situation i think it's wonderful so mm -hmm. i i think there's a lot of positivity and a lot of um future in terms of braille being harnessed with technology yes the equipment is a little bit more expensive because i suppose the market is smaller of mm -hmm. you know braille users but no i think it's wonderful and I, I am excited kind of going looking forward to um whatever you know um developments happen with braille and technology definitely Jody, would you share that excitement? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we've seen a growing range of, um, I suppose, equipment through through Braille. You know, the the developments around haptics as well, and people using mm -hmm. haptics on their iPhone, on their Apple iWatch, and things like that as well. Um, which is is coming through strongly as well. But I mean, we would really push uh, the use of Braille to encourage and uh, maintain people, especially people who are blind, um, their literacy skills, um, because I think it's really important um, to kind of push that feature as well. And I think, you know, with the introduction of UEB as well, some of the maths contractions and things like that have become uh, more mm. simplistic. So it's absolutely, I think, a key skill for for, for anyone. And uh, whilst, you know, and we, we would push it as a mandatory training element through for our staff team as well. You know, I think I think awareness of of the tactile code is 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 crucial. 
Fantastic. Guys, on that note, thank you so much uh, for joining us, uh, Jody and Audrey. Thanks so much. Uh, if you want to learn more about the National Training Centre, you can do all that on the website ncbi.ie. But now what we'll do is we'll head over to hear a review of the Dot Watch by Brian Manning. This is read by Robert Byrne. Labs product reviews. The Dot Watch Braille Smartwatch. In the latest of our technology product reviews, Brian Manning of the NCBI Labs team provides us with an insight into the first Braille smartwatch designed for people with sight loss, the Dot Watch. Item name, Dot Watch. Review by Brian Manning. Description. The Dot Watch is a smartwatch developed by South Korean company, Dot Incorporation. The device features a Braille display made up of 24 small pins, which help visually impaired users tell the time, receive texts and notifications, and read personal memos without a sound. Unboxing. What are my first impressions of the item? It is a good-sized Braille watch that fits nicely and decoratively on my wrist. It comes furnished with good support Braille manuals, and my natural impulse to research these devices on YouTube rewarded me with very good information video tutorials on the watch, which found me away in a hack with it. I've been using this for a few days. How do I feel about it? I like it. It does what it says in the tin. I get access to the information I need in a well-organized and presented manner. Is it accessible? For a Braille user, it is very accessible. And as I have previously alluded to, the accompanying manual and support videos are well laid out and very informational. What did I like? The results it provides are quite literally at your fingertips. It is concise and it links well with your smartphone, which you link through the DotWatch app. What didn't I like? The four cells can be a bit restrictive, but that is the nature of what the watch has to be. Any more cells would probably render the watch impracticable. I would have liked to get greater access to my phone, such as answering calls, etc. Did it meet my expectations? It met my expectations, definitely. What improvements, if any, would I like to see in this product? It pretty much meets my expectations as it is. I know some service users have said they would prefer a smaller face, but I think this would not work as the four braille cells require a particular size of interface. I think in this case, we have to sacrifice on the aesthetic for the overall functionality of the device. Would I recommend this item to others? For other Braille users, definitely. It is a bit expensive, but it is certainly worth buying it for the special Braille reader in your life. Is there other competing technology you have tried similar to this item? I have tried other smartwatches such as the Apple Watch, but they are not really like for like. The dot watch is definitely unique when you consider the nature and manner of the information it gives access to. I've been a lifetime user of conventional braille watches and I have to admit that I continue to use them, but that is really down to the dinosaur nature of my personality. Really fascinating technology there. Thanks a million to uh, Robert Byrne for reading that for us and thanks to Brian Manning as well for writing up that dot watch review. Um, and also thanks as well to Jody and Audrey 
from the uh, National Training Centre. Really appreciate their time and thanks so much to them for coming on to talk to us. But now we'll move on to the next topic. So I'll hand it back over to you, Daniel. Thanks very much, David. Um, that was uh, great. Thank you very much. And next up we have um, Greg Flanagan and Greg is from Arbor Hill Prison and he's here to talk to former inmate, our own JP Corcoran. <laughs> Thanks very much for that introduction there, Daniel. So delighted to introduce to the show now Greg Flanagan, who is the current work training officer in charge of the Braille unit in Arbor Hill Prison. So Greg, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks very much, JP. Great to have you with us. To start with, Greg, could you tell us a little bit about your, your role as a work training officer in Arbor Hill Prison? So what exactly does that entail? Uh, well, basically, in the workshop itself, um, we do just three things. We do one, we uh, reproduce by us, so basically any text. Um, we transcribe and emboss and bind. So whether it be a book, a leaflet, a letter, whatever it may be, it's required. And it generally comes from, uh, you know, government departments or individuals or private companies. Uh, we used to do all the, the school books, but it got too much for the, the unit, and, and this is where um, reading services are found yeah. in child vision today. We do all the school books yeah. now, so that's one aspect we do reproduce. So people look for a menu or something like that, and we reproduce and the boss yeah. them. So yeah. that's one thing. The second thing we do is, well, I, I'm a tutor in the Birmingham Braille course, it's one in conjunction with uh, child vision. Mm. So I would teach. Uh, some of the lads how to read and write braille basically through the through this course. Um say so over the last course on twelve years, thirteen years now. Mm, so yeah. over twenty lads have learned to read and write braille. And then the last thing we do is uh, we repair the Perkins service and repair the Perkins braille machines. Excellent. So a full full uh, suite, full full suite of, of services. Interesting here Marie earlier talk about Greg how she would have had some of our Braille uh, school books, uh, school books at least, um, transcribed to Braille um, years ago. And obviously that, that was obviously very demanding service at the time and things have changed a little bit now, as you were saying. Um, you mentioned then the, the Birmingham Braille course and um, that was a course actually I've completed in, I think it was 2016, Greg, and you were actually my tutor. So um, if I can learn, if I, <laughs> well, if I was say, if I, if I can learn Braille, any, anyone can learn it. And I have to say, to learn that by sight and um, Something I, I still, I'm really glad I did. You know, there's things, you know, beyond public transport, I've been, you know, coming across, you know, tactile uh, braille, you know, braille signs. And I, I it's, it's great to have that little, little bit of knowledge, which I look, I, I've held on to there from, from the course. So um, it's a fantastic course for anyone who's interested in, in learning braille. And I think it's what's really impressive though, Greg, as well, and you haven't really done it today, well, you have and you haven't, that you, you're actually the only person in the entire country who's qualified currently to repair and service uh, Perkins yeah. Braders. So, I mean, yeah, what a, a yeah. specialised, yeah, what a specialised, unique yeah. skill. Where, where did you learn how to do that, Greg? Basically, yeah, through, through the job, basically. Uh, yeah. There's been repair yeah. machines uh, in the prison for the last 20 odd years, and it was the prisoner was doing it. So mm. when I took charge of the workshop and afterwards, and then I took over from him because to me, well, so then I took over. So yeah. I was yeah. done, and then eventually I asked her to go to, to, to do the course in Boston and mm. the Perkins School yes. of Alliance. So I did that, and yes. basically I learned. So basically, I actually started yeah. off started off in yeah. YouTube how to fix them, that's how I started <laughs> doing it. But uh, yeah. um, so obviously I wasn't hundred percent sure. Then I did the course, then, mm. so. and the other thing is yeah. they're so complicated machines. I'm still learning today. Mm. 
Yeah, really, really. And after how many years of preparing Perkins, Greg? Oh, probably about eight years now. I'm still doing them. Uh, okay. 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 Yeah, fantastic. They look, they look sturdy and solid machines, yeah. but unfortunately, they're very finely balanced and stuff. So, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. Um, and then just focusing on, on the Braille unit in Arbor Hill, which which you referred to a moment ago. How long has that been in operation, and is it made up of a large team, Greg? Uh, well, basically, the, the first recorded uh, uh, transcription job we did was uh, January seventy uh, seventh, so forty five years, mm. forty five years. Wow! Wow! Uh, okay. In operation, yeah, it's gone a while, all right, yeah. Wow, it certainly uh, is. Yeah, just me. <laughs> At the moment, <laughs> it's just me. Uh, uh, originally, back then, there would have been three officers and then mm. uh, 20, 15, 20 uh, inmates who would be manually yeah. producing Braille. Uh, where yes. yeah. technology now, we do embosses and that, you know. So basically, yeah. just okay. and then if three or four yeah. of them helping me out, you know. Yeah, so so, yeah. 90% of the work. Okay, okay. Yeah, and, and just just focusing on the on the Perkins Braillers, which um, so so many people are, are learn Braille on, including myself. Um, what are your thoughts? And it's something that Audrey referred to in the previous interview, like the the whole balance of technology and and Braille. Like, is technology here to replace or to enhance the Braille experience? So, so to some degrees, we've entered well, to a large degree, we've entered a what's what it could be called like a digital era. Is there still a need for people to avail of Perkins Brailers, um, you know, today? Yeah, I, I agree with Artie completely. I mean, I don't think Braille will ever, you know, never die. Mm. Always, will always have Braille. Yeah. But I do yeah. agree that, that, that the digital era, that, that the technology, and a friend of mine's, uh, um, mm. he was blind when he was younger, he yeah. never used Braille. You know, so I think some people yeah. will yeah. always have yeah. Braille. And I, and I think they'll always have for children to learn Braille. Mm. You know, mm. we need the Perkins machine, so I think the second machines are going to be, you know, going to be, yeah. going to be around, around the last yeah, yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for the 67 yeah. at least, you know. It's and, not, and yeah. it's a unique because yeah. there's no other machine like them, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, that's, that's very true. Um, and Greg, I know, I, I think I sent a Perkins into you about three or four times during the, the duration of the course I did yeah. on, on learned Braille, but the um, the kind of mechanical issues that can happen. I did. Quick to always fix kind of mechanical, mechanical issues that can happen <laughs> with, with Perkins brainers. So the typical kind of things that will happen is the kind of things like loading paper, paper gets jammed or something yeah, internal, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, that kind well, of I things mean, will crop up. As I was saying earlier on, I mean, they look stored in strong machines because of the, 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 the yeah. covers on them, but they're actually very delicate and they're very funny about mm. a lot of springs and so on. So mm. the main, the main, mm. main problems are, are actually paper, mm. people don't load them correctly. And yes. there's actually there's videos online to show you how to load the paper. You know how and a lot of people mm -hmm. roll it in, the paper gets caught mm -hmm. and everything. Yeah. And the other thing, is, believe it or not, is uh, is objects falling into it. You know, so obviously yes. it's, it's a blind person, yeah. isn't it? And they don't realise something drops into it and it breaks it. And, uh, yes. And the other thing is okay. dust and dust in them. And the, the one, yeah. the one pet I have, people think that. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. If it's getting a bit stiff to put a bit of oil on it, uh, no. Don't. <laughs> so they send it to me and it's in bits and okay. I'll totally strip it and clean it. So now people think that they should put a bit of engine oil or something. Okay, like yeah. Really so, work, you know, so. okay, so if you have a tin of WD-40, the recommendation is not You're to not. use it with the Perkins. Okay. Perfect. Okay. 
Okay, and speaking of, speaking of which then, Greg, so someone comes across or has a Perkins brailer that have an issue with it and it's, it's, it's not working for them. Where do they send it? Do they send it to, directly to yourself in Arbor Hill? Yeah, what's, they're, they're what's the best thing to do? Yeah, yeah they basically mm. put it put into a box, a padded box, you know, whether newspapers mm. or whatever. It doesn't matter, material yeah. or something in the box. And free posts. Yes. It's all free posts. The articles were buying this. Great. People have to read yes. It's free posts yes. Because obviously a box will cost you 15 pounds or euros. To, to yeah. So just send it to me, uh, Greg Sonny in Arbor Hill, and uh, um, I'd have a look at it. But make sure they always leave the details involved because yeah. if I yeah. don't know who sent it to me, I can't contact them and say what's wrong, yeah. what's right, or what's yeah. involved, you know. And a lot of times it's okay. only small things, you know. But uh, yeah. send them to me and I'll look after them. Excellent. Well, it, it's such a fantastic service and interesting. I'm doing a little bit of research on, on this last night. I carried a Google search with the words repairs Perkins Brailer, and there's three places that came up uh, that offered a service. One, was Perkins School for the Blind in Boston, which I think you mentioned earlier in, in Massachusetts. Yeah. Next to them was the Royal National College for the Blind in, in Hereford, the UK. But then of course, Hereford, yeah. number three, the Hereford. And then, and, and, then, and then it's yourselves, it's, it's a Braille unit in Arbor Hill. So clearly it's a very specialized, very bespoke service. And, and for that reason, a very ex extremely valuable one. So it's it really is it's such, such an invaluable service for, for so many people using Perkins. Uh, before we go, one other thing we might just talk about, Greg, if you have time, is INBAT, yeah. the Irish National Braille and Affirm Performance Association. I believe you're involved in this group, is that correct? Yes, I am, yes. I, I believe mm. that I'm not part of one of the members, mm -hmm. uh, along well. with NTBI and, and um, Chilabin. Um, yes. Uh, the three sort of groups got together to sort of... So basically, it, it, it's... it's it's an, a service that any uh, deploying community can use. I even decided that they need to get information. It's, it's like a, an, an information uh, hub. So if you need to know anything about yeah. where to go, what to do, we point them in the right direction, or we give them mm -hmm. advice. So, you know, where to go to NTBI, yeah. um, or yeah. where to go to, you know, if they want to get a book reproduced, or they want to pay it fixed, and we have links on it as well, you know. Um, Great, for, okay. Um, for different, like, we we. Uh, in Bath actually introduced uh, UEB into Ireland to wow, unify okay. English Braille, um, yes. along with because there were members of the uh, International Council on English Braille, which is worldwide, which is all the English speaking mm. countries mm -hmm. around the world. I remember this, so this is where uh, UEB. So basically, before UEB yeah. came in, different like in America and Australia, they had different Braille, even though it was English. So yes. just unified around now to make it easy, so anybody can go anywhere in the world mm -hmm. now and understand English Braille, basically. So, well, uh, we uh, okay. uh, ambassadors, me, uh, everyone through sort of information, brought it in, country through the schools yes. and all that, and, and excellent. Uh, okay. And obviously, we have the Birmingham Braille courses, as you said, you know. Yes. Okay. As well, you know? Okay. So that's fantastic. It's, it's a fantastic resource. I, think, I believe it's a website for InBath, isn't there? InBath. Yeah, as I said, incorporate incorporates the three main bodies. Uh, um, mm. NTBI ourselves, NTBI, yes. uh, television, and then and we also have individuals, uh, and we yes. also have individuals then, uh, 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 vision individuals on, on the committee. Yes. So basically, if somebody contacts them, wants to know something, we have a resource yes. there to say, try and give the information that they're looking for in the need, you know. Okay. Um, Excellent. Yeah, and we're trying to yeah, trying to people to use it a bit more, you know, because yes. it's there for, for, for people, you know, to help people. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, great stuff. Well, an, an excellent, all format, not just by Yeah, yeah, yeah. An excellent resource there in Bath. Well, Greg, uh, fantastic having you on the show today. 
so thanks very much for joining us. Uh, it really is. So really interesting to hear about the work of uh, the Brave Unit in Arbor Hill. And also we really do appreciate the continued support and effort in return, sorry, in repairing, I should say, and maintaining so many Perkins brailers for everyone who used them across the country. So it's a hugely invaluable, invaluable service at the um, Braille Unit in Arbor Hill. So thanks very much, Greg, for joining us again. Thanks very much, JP. See you later. Cheers. Okay, great right. stuff. And I'll back over to you, Daniel. Oh, thanks very much, uh, Greg. And thanks very much, former student, JP. Sorry, I had it wrong <laughs> at the introduction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that, was, uh, that was fantastic to hear about, I suppose, mm. you know, how, how all the machines can get repaired. And it's great. It's absolutely great that we have that service in the country. It's a great because, service, Daniel. Really yeah, is. because with, with so many mm. other things like, um, you know, if, if other pieces of equipment have to go for repair, it's often out of the country. So it's great to have mm. it on our own, on our own doorstep, so to speak. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the turnaround, really that obviously means turnaround time for stuff getting back is quite much quicker than relying yeah. on international shipping and the rest. Very good. For sure. Very good. Great stuff. OK, so um, moving along then. Um, today we've got a little bit of tech news and um, JP, I'm going to bring you straight back in here because you've got to tell us about a level one uncontracted Braille course that's commencing soon. Can you give us the details? That's right, Daniel. So there is a level one uncontracted Braille course that's commencing um, in November, uh, 21st of November. And this is being run by the Braille support team in NCBI, it's running over 10 weeks, all on uncontracted Braille. It's very much introductory. So over the course, the students will be introduced to UEB, Unified English Braille Uncontracted uh, Code. Uh, you'll be learning mm -hmm. re how to read and write the letters of the Braille alphabet and numbers. You'll develop awareness of a broader English Braille code and how you can continue your learning at the end of this course if you wish to do so, because it's going to be level two and level three courses that'll be follow-up courses to the level one and um, the run the course itself Excellent. is run virtually mm -hmm. and there'll be one practical session and the final thing to say is that you can sign up for this course by emailing training at ncbi.ie well very good so that's um, the way to get in contact there and find out more information about this Okay, and other tech news, uh, Microsoft have released an update to Windows 10 and Windows 11 over the last few days. So it's called the 22H2 uh, release and whether you're on Windows 10 or Windows 11, that is now available uh, for you to download. And I suppose there's just a couple of uh, little things in it. Uh, per I've personally installed on my own home laptop. I've noticed the speed has increased, uh, which is great for me because I'm actually using a 12 year old laptop with a solid state drive in it. So the speed has increased. That's definitely a good thing to hear. But also for um, for service users that are listening on today, there is a new feature that has uh, rolled out all across <coughs> Windows. Up to this, it was kind of only available in the Office 365, and that is the be able to dictate um, into into a text field. So it doesn't matter where you are, you can use the Windows key in H uh, to enable that. Uh, it brings on the um, the microphone for you, and you can speak, and it's. Uh, it types what, what it hears. So I've tried it out, it's quite good. Um, also, there is live captions for any content with audio. That's um, 
now available by going through to your settings, accessibility and intake captions, and you can turn those on. And there's an enhanced do not disturb settings. Um, so you can again start settings and system notifications. You can um, turn on do not disturb automatically, um, which is quite good at times. And then I get disturbed. So um, I'm going to hand you back now to Joe and David, and they're going to guide us through some news on recent Apple product releases. So uh, maybe we bring yep. in uh, who have we, Joe, first? Yeah, hi again. Hi again, Daniel. Um, yeah, so last week um, Apple released three new products again, um, two new iPads and an Apple TV. So I suppose the most interesting one was the normal iPad, the iPad 10th generation. Um, this now has a 10.9 inch screen, so a bigger screen, good for anyone that's low vision, and screen goes from edge to edge. Um, so it has um, four four different colors, I suppose, that won't make much difference to a lot of people. Pink, blue, yellow sounds quite nice, but I'll probably go for the boring silver. Um, <laughs> but it has a touch ID um, up on the, the top button now, it's not on the, the, the not on the home button anymore. So it still has Touch ID, which a lot of people will be um, uh, pleased to hear. You know, yeah. um, is it part uh, of the power button or is it a separate? Part of the power. I think it's part of the power button. I haven't had it in yeah. the hand yet, but I think it's part of yeah, the power button. Yeah, it is part of the yeah. button there on the side. So yeah, the power button. And that's brilliant. Yeah. So at least we have Touch ID. Um, it'd be good for verifying purchases and and um, from the App Store and maybe Apple Pay and things like that. Um, so also it has a landscape camera now in the front. Um, which supports um, center view, so um, center stage. Sorry, center stage. So center stage is a is a feature which, for will say, you might be useful for vision impaired and blind people. So it'll keep them in the center of um, a FaceTime call or a Zoom call or a Teams call, whatever virtual um, video call you might be using. Or, mm. So it'll, it'll keep keep them in the middle. And, um, you know, if you move around a little bit, the camera kind of follows you. And it has two more two new microphones, so the sound will follow you, follow you better as well. Oh. Um, yes, it's supposed to have faster wireless connectivity and um, a USB-C connection. Um, they have a new folio keyboard out for the keyboard is approximately 300 euros, but it will turn it into a, I suppose, uh, a kind of a laptop experience yeah. once you put once you put the keyboard onto it. And uh, the folio keyboards are really good. They're, they're actually brilliant. They're lovely to type on. Um, the iPad 10.9 itself is approximately 600 euros to buy the 64 gig version. Um, if you go up. Um, to I think it's I think the next one up was two fifty gig as far as I remember. Uh, you're looking or something like that. Yeah. Two fifty six, sorry, two fifty six. Um, you're looking at something like seven nine nine. But look, prices mm. change all the time, so you won't quote prices as as um, a certainty. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. For that's that's from the Apple Store at the moment. Mm. Um, and then the other iPad that came out was the iPad Pro version. So um, the main thing with this one was um. It has an M2 chip, so um, a more advanced chip. I think the last version had M1, so it's moved up to M2. Um, there, there wasn't anything major, uh, I suppose. Uh, it has faster connectivity again, but not major to really update on, I suppose. It comes in 11-inch and 12.9-inch, so it has a bigger screen again. It'd be good for people that use the magnifier feature 
in in a really really clear screen you know so you can you can open the magnifier feature with, with siri and then maybe hold it over text and it'll magnify it for you so that kind of thing would be really good but um i think the biggest uh, launch was the um just the normal ipad 10th generation i think it'll be a very popular device um especially it's kind of midway sense. between the old ipad air and the pro yeah exactly and uh, the center stage feature will really make video calling a bit more productive for mm. anyone that has a visual impairment and that isn't that is worried about having themselves in the middle or um, in the middle of the, the camera field you know so i think that yeah. would be really really good i'll pass over to david then to talk about the apple tv Sure. Yeah. Just before I do, I, like I just to add to what you're saying there, Joe, like center stage was something that very nearly tempted me to move to a new iPad because that alone, just the ability for someone like myself with a visual impairment to be able to stay in the center of the frame. That's a, a big deal because obviously when you're using a camera, um, you need to have the iPad a certain distance away from you. Um, yeah. So and uh, I'm just hoping that, you know, one of the things I one when I was starting to get used to using the camera on the iPad, one of the things I never factored in is the fact that the camera on the iPad, when it's uh, sideways, when it's in landscape mode, the camera's actually on the side. It's not centered. So I have to kind of be slightly to the side of the iPad to be in the center of the screen and center stage fixes that. So there are a lot of advantages for people with visual impairment to uh, having center stage. So we're seeing that rolling out on more and more iPads now, <coughs> which is absolutely fantastic and at cheaper costs, which is even better. Yeah. They made a um, point of um, saying it was uh, five times faster than your nearest Android tablet as well, Daniel. I, I don't know. Did that... How oh, do you feel about that? Oh, they they had yeah. to get that dig in there, didn't they? <laughs> I don't know about that, but it's a, it's a, it's a funny statement to make, but that, that's what they said. 20% faster than its nearest and in the previous version of the iPad and, and five times faster than the next Android tablet. But um, that's one one that we can test out in the future going exactly, forward. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, have to increase, to we'll need tested. to increase the budget for the 300 euro keyboard, though. Yeah, I, th I think so. That, that that's the downfall. So altogether, you're talking nine hundred euros. But look, I suppose it's a good laptop replacement for some people if you're um, big into your Apple devices. Yeah. For sure, and you you'd pay a grand for a Mac anyway. So if you wanted and if you felt comfortable, like an iPad can do everything a computer can do now, and you know you're getting a touch screen as a bonus. So I mean, there are arguments that you know it does make sense. <coughs> you know. Yeah, in most cases, yeah. So when we talk about the new Apple TV, uh, the yeah. interesting thing with the uh, new Apple TV is it also, like, like the iPads, it has a new chip. So uh, we have moved to the A15 Bionic chip. Sounds very fancy. Now this is the chip. It's also, if you have an iPhone 13, 13 plus, 14 or 14 plus, it will all, it'll be in um those phones as well so just to give you an idea of the kind of speed and the power that is in these chips it's from their latest phones um so that makes it a lot faster with things like gaming if you're a gamer maybe you have low vision and you like playing some games on your apple tv awesome you can now do that and it won't lag nearly as much it has better video quality again very handy for people with low vision one of the interesting things is that Siri can now tell who you are. So, for example, if I was to ask to watch something and Joe was to ask to watch something, 
then it would know our different tastes. It can distinguish between us. This has been a feature on the HomePod for a long time, but it has made its way to the new Apple TV and presumably that's being enabled by the newer chip. Um, so a lot of exciting things there. Now, there are a few things that you do need to be aware of. Before, right. there was only one Apple TV 4K. Now there are two. So what are the differences between them? Well, the first Apple TV is the Apple TV Wi-Fi. Now, the Apple TV, uh, all the Apple TVs have Wi-Fi, but the second edition is the Apple TV Wi-Fi plus Ethernet. So if you want to connect into the wall for faster streaming and gigabit uh, Ethernet, that is mm -hmm. something that you will need the Ethernet version. Now, confusingly, and this is something to be aware of, the Apple TV Wi-Fi plus Ethernet is the only version that has extra memory, extra storage. So the right. Apple TV with Wi-Fi comes with 64 gigabytes of storage and the Apple TV Wi-Fi plus Ethernet has 128 gigabytes of store storage. So it's just a catch to be aware of. If you plan to be downloading mm. loads of movies onto this thing, um, you might want to get the Ethernet version, even if you're not going to be using the Ethernet yeah. feature. Just an unusual little quirk, but that's mm. Apple for you. I suppose it's um, they're thinking of the games. Um, somebody playing the games, well, they're going to require more storage for their games. And obviously they want to... <coughs> on the fastest possible connection and that's always going to be ethernet instead yeah, of that makes a lot of sense it does make yeah, a lot of sense that, i guess i agree there i think that yeah. is the main thing behind it because a lot yeah video some people like to download films and and, and that but most of uh its capabilities are geared towards streaming um mm. apps mm. like disney plus netflix apple tv plus but yeah, yeah the games thing because you can connect um, controllers like um, your extra controllers to it. So if you have kids in the house who like playing games or, or even adults with vision impairment, um, yeah, the games thing I think is going to be a big thing for the gigabyte or, or the extra storage. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. So there are other smaller changes. Uh, the remote for the device is now charged via USB-C as opposed to lightning. Uh, so Lightning is the connection that you'll have on your iPhone. Uh, USB-C, if you've got a newer iPad, it's a slightly bigger cable, so you might have that. Um, but yeah. that is uh, the new charging method for the new remote. Um, and the final change, and I think this is actually the most exciting change, um, and this I think will tempt a lot of people to actually get the product who maybe haven't got it before, the price has, unusually for Apple, gone down, folks. They've reduced mm. the price um, and they've reduced it quite significantly, actually. So the Apple TV used to start at €199. Euros. The right. Now, the Apple TV with Wi-Fi, so bear in mind that's the 64 gigabyte version, that is now €169. Euros. So that's a, a, what, a 30 euros? 15% off, yeah. Yeah, that's a decent drop. And if you want to go all out, you want 128 gigabytes and you also want the Ethernet, you're getting a 10 euro reduction still. So it's 189 euros now, which isn't too bad. You know, it, it's actually it's not like bad for 64 gigs and an Ethernet port. Exactly. No. And, and especially when you compare it to a 300 euro keyboard. Yeah, I think the popularity of other streaming devices like Fire, Fire Stick and Google TV has um, really put pressure on. 
Yeah. Do you know, you're probably right. I mean, those fire sticks, they're dirt cheap, aren't they? You know, so it is an interesting one. Um, Apple's selling point for so long has been the fact that, you know, we won't flood the Apple TV with advertising the <clears> same way you might see on something like a Fire TV stick or a yeah. Roku. But you're not wrong, Joe, that, I mean, yeah. that does, having that cheaper price as a competitor, and there's a lot of competition in that space from newer players, you know, Sky and Virgin Media are now competing in that space with the likes of Now as well. So mm. there is a lot of competition in that space at the moment. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's driving the price down. And one, ultimately, that's a good thing. One other bonus, I suppose, uh, for sound, um, people that love uh, surround sound, you can connect two HomePod minis, get surround sound. Um, and the sound is amazing. I have a HomePod mini, as you know. So yeah. that's, that's another, another bonus if you have an Apple TV. Very good. Yeah, there are lots of, and, and this is something uh, just to keep in, in note that it, it will be, the it's running the same operating system as the previous Apple TVs. So if you're used to voiceover and all those fancy features on your Apple TV, they will all work just the same. The only difference is the fact that your Siri will now be able to distinguish between maybe you and your other family members, which is kind of cool. Yep, perfect. David, Joe, thank you very, very much for that. Uh, thank you. Definitely. Um, Thanks, Daniel. Very interesting news there coming out of the world of Apple. Okay, so that's pretty much all of our tech news for today. Just a reminder now before we go that our support lines for technology support uh, can be contacted on 1-800-911-110. That's 1-800-911-110. Or you can drop an email to labs at ncbi.ie. For generous support, you can also contact NCBI on 1-800-911-250. That's 1-800-911-250 or drop an email to info at ncbi.ie. And if you'd like to support our services, please do so by visiting donate.ncbi.ie. That's donate.ncbi.ie. And coming up on future episodes, we will be having a look at JAWS and ZoomText 2023 updates with Matt Actor, Vice President of Software and Corporate Business Development in Vispero, and Sarah Herlinger, Apple's Senior Director of Global Accessibility Policy and Initiatives. And for our next show, please come back to us on the 8th of November. That's Tuesday, the 8th of November, 2022, for your next episode of Talking Technology with NCBI Labs. And if you'd like to sign up for our newsletter, we have a weekly technology newsletter that goes out of a Friday. Sign up at www.ncbi.ie or email us labs at ncbi.ie and we'll send you our weekly newsletter on a Friday evening. So that's pretty much it. I want to thank all of our guests and our panelists today. So thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you again soon on NCBI Labs Talking Technology. Thanks for listening to the Talking Technology Podcast with NCBI Labs. If you would like to support our show, you can visit donate.ncbi.ie. The NCBI Labs Talking Technology Podcast is proudly sponsored by IA Labs, the market leader in the provision of digital accessibility services.